0: First of all, there's no backstabbing going on. here. It's time for me to move on. This will be Phil's last year as the coach of the Bulls. Are the expectations way too high? Where do we go from here? The only question, how long can it last? That's it right there. Ah, oh, the chills last, every time. It's been, it's been so good. It's been so. I so already know good. exactly
1: how I'm going to feel Sunday. I'm going to be super hyped. I'm going to be thinking about eight o'clock Central Time kickoff, last dance, and the moment it ends, I'm going to be so. I'm going to say that was awesome, and then be completely bummed out knowing I don't
0: have any it's, more episodes. It's going to feel like the fourth retirement is what it's going to feel like. Let's. Jake Rogel has been a producer on The Last Dance working side-by-side side with Jason Hare, uh, putting this whole thing together, and he's joining us now on 720 WGN. Jake, from all of us in Chicago, first of all, we would like to thank you. We have, uh, And from my personal corner here, I've just, just speaking for myself, I have loved uh, all of it. I think my favorite two episodes, of, or my favorite two nights were 7 and 8 and 1 and 2, but it's all been great. So thank you for all your hard work. It's really been a treat for all of us.
2: I really appreciate that. It's really kind of you guys. And uh, we really wanted to make sure the people from Chicago particularly liked it because, you know, there's a lot of memories there and it means a lot to a lot of different people. But for Chicago in particular, you know, that's the home and that's where it all happened. So one of the biggest things we wanted was, all right, make sure people in Chicago like this. And so to hear those kind of words is awesome. Dude, so thank you for that.
1: I mean, um, I, I went I went yeah. and got Baker Square after the – I mean, that's. I've mean, been eating Baker Square my whole life to hear it get dropped and hear those guys were eating Baker Square and Deerfield. I mean, it's it's just checked all the boxes for, for someone who grew up watching the Bulls and loved Michael Jordan. So, yes, thank you. That's it's, great. It's, I really appreciate
0: that. Head. So, Jake, let's get into the minutiae here because, uh, first of all, what was it like for you being in the room with Michael Give the kind of the I mean, was it nerve wracking? Was I, I've heard you guys have talked about how he was super friendly, but still, you've got this, you know, the icon sitting in front of you. What was that like for you?
2: It's it's very nerve wracking. I'm um, not going to lie at all. It was the, the morning of. We were kind of all hanging out in the hotel, sort of waiting to go to the interview, and um, everyone was kind of calm and and quiet. And then when you're at the interview, you're, you're waiting, and you know you have a time that he's going to come but so you're not sure if gonna actually come up on time. So you're kind of waiting and you're waiting all of a sudden the doorbell rings and you're like, Oh my, my God, he's here. Like, this is it. So he walked in the door and I think immediately you're just, it's, it's shocking because you see all the highlights and you see, you know, everything about him in magazines and photos. And, and you almost forget that he's an actual person that he's just, you know, just like us. And he walks in the door and you're like, Oh my God, that's Michael Jordan kind of walking in. Um, and immediately you have to get into work mode. So you snap out of that pretty quickly, but, Absolutely. It's shocking to see him in person. I, I've, I've said to people, it's like seeing the Statue of Liberty walk towards you. You don't, you don't think it's real. And then it happens. And you're like, wow, he actually moves and he walks. Well, um, but immediately, he, he's good, at, he's good at, at, at being, you know, the situation is nerve-wracking. He knows that. He knows the presence that he has. So it's calm. He, he's able to calm the room down pretty quickly just by being friendly and joking and things like that.
1: Hearing Michael Jordan use the doorbell just like the rest of us was surprising to hear. You figure the door would just kind of magic <laughs> magically open as he walks up to it because he is a godlike figure. You know, I heard Jason right. Hare describe the first meeting with Jordan to almost like meeting Santa Claus. You know everything about him. You've you've loved the man your entire life. It's almost like he's he's not a real person. That's I'm with Carm seven and eight. I kind of was anticipating I'm like, okay, this is gonna dive into some of the baseball, some gambling stuff, stuff I've heard about. And it was I'm going to cry watching Michael Jordan cry. I mean, seeing him cradle the basketball, and we've seen some of those clips, but the way you guys presented it, where it was so raw, him in the trainer's room with the basketball and him just bawling his eyes out. I'm getting chills thinking about it now. It really has given me, someone who thought he knew everything about Michael Jordan, a completely unique and different perspective that I had no idea
0: about him, Jake. and I love that you just brought that point, Kip. Did you know that the audible version of him crying on the floor that Kevin's talking about was was there, Jake?
2: You know what? I, I didn't. I know the clip so well but I've seen our version of it so many times that I didn't realize that people hadn't seen it without him, without the audio of him crying before. And you know what? I've seen that clip so many times in my head. I just thought like, okay, I've I've heard him crying before, so I never never put it together that we have a clip of him with the audio. So when people were tweeting about that, it's fun for me to watch people react live to it because people are in the audience are noticing things that I never noticed. And I've watched it so many times, but I didn't realize that was a unique thing that we had.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I've seen that before. At least I thought I had seen it a million times. I something like that, but when it was just so moving to hear him bawling like that, like how much it all mattered to him, you know,
2: and just the, yeah, well, I think that, that's what's so amazing about. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just. When, when he cried during the interview, you anticipate these interviews and you think, you know, you have the questions beforehand and you think, okay, how's he going to react to this? And how's he going to react to that? When we talk about his father, will he get emotional there? So every time before the interview, I thought he would cry. If he cried at all, I thought it would be talking about his father or about, I don't know, something related more to his, to his personal life. And then, He cries because he's so competitive and he wants everyone else to understand why he was so competitive. And so for that to be the reason that he got emotional in our interview was so surprising to me. I don't think any of us expected him to cry at that moment talking about that topic. It was just very telling of who he is at his core. Yeah,
0: and it was so on brand because he has been unapologetic on you know, from Harvey Gantt or whatever. Look, I was a basketball player, I was focused on winning, I was focused on my craft it meant the absolute world to him he was of singular focus and that's why i think at that point it got to him because you know he had put so much into it and it mattered so much to him and it was it was that was awesome jake that it it boiled up how long by the way did he have to sort of gather himself before he kept on with the interview
2: that's a good question i don't think it was very long i think it was like maybe 10 minutes um he stood up got some water maybe just kind of had a moment to himself and came back but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too long, and he sat right back down and was ready to talk again, but um, I think, you know, it was surprising, and, and we wanted to make sure he had his space and the time to, to compose himself, but um, it wasn't too long, probably five or ten minutes, I would say.
0: Do you make a joke coming back in? Or was it more like uh, sort of you know, a I serious... I don't stuff? actually
2: remember. I, I think it, was, it, was, it felt serious, and I think that um, he was smiling, I think, and, and I'm pretty sure the room got light quickly. But I think we wanted to respect kind of the emotion he was feeling and, and, you know, be respectful in that way. So I don't really remember the specific moment. I just remember thinking, okay, I hope this interview continues because it's so good. That's the other thing is is I, I was lucky because Jason was doing the interviews. And so when we're in the room, I'm following along and taking notes and things. But I get to just sit there and kind of listen to it just like everybody else. And it was like listening to a podcast. for me. so, you know, I helped Jason prep. And help them, help him prepare, and, and I'm sitting there just making sure that when I'm missing anything, cause, you know the, the conversation's bouncing all over the place. But it's such a joy for me to just put, you know I get to sit there and kind of watch Jason do his thing, so the pressure's off, and I just got to listen to Michael just talk forever, which was oh, I could do that all day. It
1: was awesome. I'd, I'd give everything to to be in that position, <laughs> right? The fly the fly on the wall for a Jordan interview incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, you guys have done a great job of of, and that, this is props to you, Jake, for for organizing the whole thing. But the amount of content you were able to get from people that were involved in that era and were around Jordan has, has just been tremendous insight every single episode. How how many interviews did you organize? And was there anybody that pushed back or wasn't willing to do it? I know it's sometimes it's, it's a, it's a, we work in radio and sometimes people don't want to talk. I get it. I totally get it. But was the process difficult or did you just have to say Michael Jordan and people were in?
2: yeah it's funny um we interviewed 106 people it was 108 total interviews because michael did three um so I, I organized a lot of them i didn't do you know getting the obamas and Bill clinton's and the michael jordan's of the world I'm, that's kind of out of my my uh, ability but i was able to get everybody else and track everybody else down and really the thing is is um there, i think the reason for the honesty and what we got out of people is that time has passed so people are willing to talk honestly because there's not really any repercussions for being honest at this point because no one's on a team right now and um they're willing to be open about things. So, so just the, the passing of time allows people to be a little more honest. Um, but I think that uh, I think that um, it was just when you say, you know, hi, my name's Jake and I'm doing a, a documentary about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan is involved. As soon as people hear that, they immediately think, okay, this is legitimate because Michael, you know, for as, as much as Michael is part of culture, he's really not out there. He doesn't do many interviews. He's not involved with a lot of media. So when, when people hear, okay, Michael's involved, they know it's immediately legitimate. And then people want to be just around Michael and part of Michael because of who he is. So my job normally, you know, I haven't tracked people down to this extent actually in my career, but I thought it would be a lot harder. But then as soon as I realized, people understood that Michael's involved and it's, and that makes it legitimate and everyone, then it's just a matter of working schedule. So the convincing people to be a part of it was, was very easy. We got very little pushback. The hardest part was just getting a hold of people and, you know, my number, they'd see my number on their phone and ignore it because they didn't know who I was. But once they understood why I was calling, it was, there was really no pushback at all. We got pretty much everybody we wanted that um, I can think of. I can't think of anybody that that was evasive. I mean, there are a couple of people that were evasive that are just hard to get in touch with, but I can't think of anybody that were like, ah, oh, man, I, we missed them. That's a, that's a bummer. Everyone wanted to be involved just because Michael was involved.
0: Jake Rogel, producer of The Last Dance, joining us here on 720 WGN. Jake, what was the conversation like when you guys were considering whether or not to interview Jordan's, Jordan's current wife, Yvette, or uh, his former wife, Juanita? I... I I was having a conversation with with one of my friends recently, and it's like it would have be been very interesting to have Juanita's perspective, especially around his father's death and how what he was like at home. I would have been curious to hear that, but I'm assuming that that was something that you guys decided was off limits. But what were those conversations?
2: I think more. And actually, we didn't talk extensively about it. It was kind of uh, an obvious choice because really this was a doc. It was a Chicago Bulls documentary with Michael Jordan as the main character. So a lot of people think it's the Michael Jordan doc, and. I mean, it's the most Michael Jordan docs that's sort of been done before, but it still is a Chicago Bulls documentary with just him as the main character. So if Juanita was in it, it would have felt a little off just because we didn't have any other wives in it. I mean, Carmen Electra was in it because she's part of the Dennis Running Off story, um, and Tish Roulette was in it, Gus Lett's wife, because Gus had passed away, so she was kind of Gus's voice, but we didn't have any other wives in there. Um, so I think it would have felt a little strange to just have Michael's wife and nobody else's, because, again, it was a Chicago Bulls documentary. Um, and I just think that was sort of the initial thinking there was just, okay, let's make it about the bulls um, and, and have the people who were involved with the stories telling the stories. You know, if you have Michael telling, talking about his father passing away, that's the, the the core of it. That's the, the crux of it. So that's that's what you want to hear from. We just it never really was even a big thing. We just never considered it really.
0: Yeah,
1: fair enough. And Jordan didn't want filming in his home, correct? Because I know people are commenting on every single component of it, and one of them was, you know, where he was sitting in the big, right, you know, beachfront property. But you, didn't you guys? Did I read that you guys rented properties away from his home because he didn't want?
2: Yeah, we, we, we found properties in his neighborhood. And I think it's more just there are a lot of people we interview that don't want us in their personal space. Mm-hmm. Like we have a crew with stuff and shoes on and gear. And, you know, like people don't want us just messing things up in their house. So I think initially, he, the initial thought was just, okay, get the crew away from my house. So I'll do it in my, in my neighborhood, but it's not in my actual house.
0: I'm curious. There, is Scotty Pippen mad at you guys? Have you heard this, Jake? Because there's kind of these rumors out there that he's not thrilled with the last dance and maybe he didn't get enough credit. And what was it like for you dealing with Pippen, And, and have you heard that?
2: Um, I haven't heard that, but um, he was great. He was so nice and really friendly. gave us awesome time. And um, I hope that people realize how important Scotty was to that. You know, in the second episode, we we get into it. Uh, on top of the contract with the main story there, but, you know, he was so pivotal. There's, none of this would have happened without him, and so I hope that that comes across, and, and you'll see in episode 10, he's a huge part in that uh, Utah series, obviously, with the back injury in game six when he played through the pain, and he gets his due there, but um, I hope that he's not negatively portrayed, and he was just so important. He he had just a really, a lot of drama happened during his career, and so we covered all those interesting things, and some of them are negative, you know, not going in for the New York shot, and the contract stuff was tough, but, um, you know, he was so vital in all of this, and I hope that that he and other people understand just what he meant to that team. And I, I you know, I hope we did what we could, and I hope that uh, that he feels that way, and I hope he's not disgruntled about it. But he, he was amazing for us. He was really nice, really friendly. Let us in his home. Gave us a lot of time. Um, we did a Charlotte event during the All-Star game. He was part of that. So um, I hadn't heard that, but I hope that he, he understands how much we appreciate him and how important he was to the whole thing.
0: And I don't think he's got anything to apologize for. Look, you, you had the 1.8. You're still in the Hall of Fame. You're a top 50 player. You had a bad moment. And you were kind of shockingly honest about it, also saying that you wouldn't change it if you had to go back and do it again. Was there anything that uh, you guys didn't put in the in the doc, Jake? That uh, kind of stands out as something that you know d- just missed the cut that was super interesting to you.
2: Um, there was some stuff about so the the, pro- the hardest thing about this doc is, is ten hours is is not enough. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. There's some some topics that we really could have gotten into more. We could have done a whole episode on Michael's childhood. That was one thing we really struggled with. We had a huge section of his childhood that we had to cut down, and uh, that's just because you have to get to everything. And I mean, you look at episode five, and you have the All Star Game, and the Jordans, and the Republicans by sneakers, and all that stuff. You have to fit everything in, so inevitably, some things have to have to, you know, get cut out. And so I think there was uh, we interviewed one of his his childhood best friends, David Richards, just talking about growing up with Michael as a as you know like a teenager, and I thought that was really interesting stuff because you just see Michael as a a real person you know again you forget that he's a real person and we hear people telling stories about like riding bikes together going in pools together some of the the racial issues they faced growing up um, it was really interesting we just had to lose it for time purposes so we got all the stuff in that we, that we wanted to that we felt was the most important but inevitably in a doc this long you're gonna you're gonna um have to lose things that are that are really cool
1: Feel free to make a Last Dance Part Two with all that unused footage. Mark.Carmen right? at Gmail.
0: You can send uh, the all the outtakes, and I'd love to watch it. Hey, uh, <laughs>
2: I don't think my brain could, could handle another <laughs> minute of making any more Last Dance stuff. To be honest,
0: right. what what's uh, Jake? Well, here we're we're up against the news here, so we I guess we will we'll have to continue this conversation another time. But thanks again for for doing it. You guys did a phenomenal job. Congrats on it. And uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow night. In, in ten seconds, what's the number one thing people should be uh, excited about for tomorrow?
2: Uh, the game six against Utah. Michael and Scotty is unbelievable. All
0: right, it's going to be great. Hey, Jake, thanks again, man. Appreciate you.
2: Yeah, you got it. Thank you guys for having me, thanks,
0: Jake. Jake, Jake Rogel, producer. The last. I'm ready for tomorrow, man. Uh, we're ready. We're ready. What a project to be involved yeah. in. It's all those guys. Uh, Great, great, great opportunity that I'm sure they will never forget. News coming up, 720 WGN.